morning and let's preach the Word of God. Now, as you're at First Thessalonians, I want you to back up just right there at the page at the last part of Colossians, chapter 4, Colossians. Everybody there say amen. amen. I want you to look at verse number 16 about the book of Colossians, what Paul said to do with it. He said, and when this epistle is what? <clears throat> read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. Paul gave explicit instructions there that epistles were to be read to the church. And uh, now I want you to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 chapter 5 and verse number 27. The last chapter. So I just kind of give you an idea about this. Verse 27 says, 1 Thessalonians, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be what? Read unto all the holy brethren. Did you know a lot of folks are going to church and they don't hear over maybe five or six verses the entire time they're at church? Did you know there's a reason that we just had Brother Danny get up here and read the second chapter of Corinthians? So you can get some word of God in you. Now, preaching may be no good, but that's not an excuse because you could have read there and you'd have got some Bible. The more Bible you let get pumped into your soul and your spirit and your heart and your mind, the better you're off you're going to be. And you, the word of God is what's going to settle forever. And the word of God is what will strengthen you, help you, comfort you. It'll save you. Amen. And get the word of God in you. So we're going to, what I'm going to do, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I don't know how it's going to work out. But we're going to just take off at verse number one. Now, there's a lot of different kind of preaching. There's topical preaching. There's, I preach through books a lot. That's what I like to do. But uh, I'll just tell you something. Now, this deal over in Israel, I don't know how it's all going to turn out. But I can tell you this, <clears throat> that coming uh, soon is uh, the, the whole thing revolves around Israel as far as a nation and churches and spiritual privilege right now. But when the church is taken out, Israel will be put back into spiritual privilege. But there's something that I'll just throw this out at you. It might be worth two cents, might be worth three, but it ain't worth much probably. But let me just tell you something. China, Russia, and all of your Mideastern Muslim countries are yoked up and they don't like us at all. And I see a pot boiling. And I'll tell you something. World War I started by the assassination of one leader. One man shot. World War I broke out. You can read that. Uh, it could be that you'll start. I don't know. I don't know what God's going to do. I'm not saying it, but I'm just saying there's a potential for it. For other terrorist groups to start joining Hamas. And for something to, to hit the flame that will cause an explosion that will bring in. Russia and America, and we could be fat quickly approaching. And I see, here's the thing about it is we know from the Bible that the things that Jesus said would happen and be in the conditions, they're here. They're not going to be here. They're here now. Right. So I want to tell you something. Now, First, and Thessalon First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians, these epistles to the church, <clears throat> are written to... Uh, settle the church, to strengthen the church, to give the church vital truths that it needs. Now, these people had been told that they had missed the second coming of Christ, the day of Christ. We're going to be talking about that later. And there's something in Second, Corinthians, or second Thessalonians, Brother Terry, chapter 2, that I want to bring out concerning what you a little later on. I don't know how far we'll get, but here's what I'm going to tell you something. These books are specifically about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Right. The second coming of Jesus Christ is mentioned in every chapter of both books. Yeah. It's the theme of it. 
But the theme of 1 Thessalonians is when Christ comes for his church, the rapture. 2 Thessalonians is when he comes with his church back to Mount Olives and sets up his kingdom. And so we're going to be looking at these things the next few weeks as we go through 1 and 2 Thessalonians. And the question really is, how do we live in, in a time like we live? Well, God gives it to us and let's take off. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus. Now I'm going to give you a lot of words because you're going to find it's unbelievable to me how much Bible doctrine is in chapter one. So I want you to write things down. I want you to mark if you want to. I mean, I, I mark in my Bible. If you don't like marking in your Bible, I don't blame you for that. But do something to try to help you get the most that you can out of this. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church. Now, let me just say something to you today that, that we need to get down. And that is the value and the importance of the church Amen. in the sight of God. Amen. Jesus died for the church. Amen. God is going to work through the church. And I'm just telling you, don't get a bad attitude toward church. Yes, you might not like the preacher. You might not like his mannerisms. Let me just tell you something. I'm well aware that I'm not everybody's preacher. A lot of people don't like this. Why is he holler for? Well, I don't know. I just, that's just the way I preach. Amen. Uh, why is he so excited for? Well, I'm excited. You're going to get excited about basketball. I'm going to get excited about people being saved and excited about God. And, uh, but, but mannerisms are different and emotional aspects are different. But I just am who I am and I'm not going to try to change to suit you and make you happy. Because if I did, I, somebody else wouldn't be happy. So I'm just going to be who God made me to be and you can all just do with it what you want to. Amen. Uh, after being here 40 years and by the way, somebody talking about birthday, well, I'm about, I'm about 70 years old. I'm about there, but I feel like I'm about 40. So here we go. Amen. <clears throat> anyway, uh, I'm lying partly there. My, although my outward man perish, my inner man is renewed day by day. Inside I'm young. I'm serious with you. This, the man inside ain't never going to die. He's eternal. Amen. But anyway, here we go. The church. So I just want to say something to you. Don't undervalue the church. Now watch what he says here about the church. He said the Thessalonians, which is in God, the father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the true church is made up of people, not tares, but wheat who have been legitimately born again of the spirit of God by having placed their faith and trust in his substitutionary sacrificial death on the cross, his burial and his resurrection, and they've thrown their soul on the gospel of Jesus Christ as their savior and their substitute. Now, when God saved you, he put you in God, in Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you, you can find a safer place than that to be in this universe, I'd like to hear about it. Some of you didn't get that. If you can find a safer place to be in the universe than in God and in Christ, I'd like to know about it. There is no safer place. I am secure in Jesus Christ. Amen. And he's telling these people, don't you get shook up. Don't get all troubled about what's going on. Somebody put on my Facebook feed before coming to church morning. Oh, you're all wrong about that. You need to be getting ready to go through the tribulation. I, I'll tell you what. And that just spirit, you can just feel the vibrations of fear coming off them people. Hey, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Amen. And I'm not looking for the antichrist. 
I'm looking for Christ. Amen. And so anyway, here we go. He said, uh, the church which is in God, the Father, and in Lord Jesus Christ. And how did the church get in God the Father and get in the Lord Jesus Christ? Look what he said. Grace be unto you. You don't read an epistle, but what Paul starts off with grace before anything. Because grace is the initiator. It's the way that we're saved. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Man, I'm going to tell you something. We're saved by grace. And the church is saved by grace. It's kept by grace. It's grace that needs to come into a church. You know, if you don't have grace for each other's spouses, you just ain't going to get along very good. You got to give grace to people. Amen. You got to understand everybody ain't perfect. Everybody ain't going to do everything right. But he said, uh, which is in God in Christ Jesus, grace be unto you. Now, when grace comes to a heart, there's something that automatically comes. What's the next thing? Peace. You see, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm at peace with God today. Not because of what I did, but because he, what he did. I'm not worried about hell. I'm not worried about eternity. I'm not worried about what's after death. He's told me everything in that about that that I need to know. And I have peace with God. Through, I'm not at war with God. Amen. I'm not at, I'm not at war with God. So peace. Uh, by the way, if you're here today or listening, you're not saved, and um, get, get God's grace. Uh, get saved by his grace. Amen. God will give you peace in the midst of this mess. I'm honest with you. Somebody said, well, things are bad. Things are bad. Yeah, they've been bad. They've been, they are bad. They've been bad since Adam. <laughs> I mean, Cain killed Abel. It's been bad. Amen. And we're living in a fallen, cursed world, but I've got hope. Amen. My hope's not in this world. Anyway, it said from the God, our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the next thing I want you to look at, verse number two, we give thanks to God. I want to tell you something. When you're saved, you ought to be thankful. Amen. You ought to never get over being happy that God saved you and grateful to God. He could have sent you to hell and waved you out and been just and holy doing it. God could have sent me to hell and be absolutely just and holy and right in doing so. But while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. Amen. And God, while I was yet a sinner, Christ loved me. Amen. And he said, we give thanks to God. And by the way, Christian, you know what he's telling the church? Be thankful. Hey, a thankful people is a good people to be around. Amen. I like for kids to say, Mom, Dad, Mama, thank you for that meal when they get up. I, like, I think you ought to say thank you to your spouse. You want to have a happier home? Say thank you to your wife. Amen. Say thank you to your mom and daddy. I tell you what, you ought to get out of bed, crawl out of bed and say, thank God for a bed to sleep in. My mom and daddy got me a bed to sleep in. Amen. Be happy, amen. Be thankful uh, to God all with you. Always make you mention you in our prayers. So the next thing that we learn about church is not only are we, the church is in God, in Christ, we've got grace and because of that we got peace and because of that we ought to be thankful. But you know what? A Christian life is a life of prayer. The Bible tells you and I to pray without ceasing. You say, well, Reggie, I ain't a very good prayer. You, you're, I'm not either. Amen. But I just take God's word at it. And I just talk to God. Jesus is my high priest. I pray in Jesus name to the father in the spirit. And I could write a book on answered prayer. This whole work here, this whole ministry is answered prayer. Everything, everything is answered prayer. God's done it. So also learn to pray. I'm glad you say, I ain't got a good prayer. Well, pray anyway. Amen. Somebody says, I don't know my word. I, I, I want to say something to everybody here. I know that there are people who are, you know, you're quieter, you're so forth. But I want to tell you something. God's not interested in flowers speeches. When somebody asks you to pray, we're not looking for a speech. We're not looking for somebody to impress us with your flow of words. I'd rather hear a guy that don't know adjectives from verbs pray with his heart than to hear somebody that knows English wonderfully and he's just flowerly speaking. But pray. 
Now then in the verse number three, he said, remembering without ceasing. Now God's going to say right here, he said, I want you to remember something and be stable. Hey, can I tell you something? I've been through a lot of storms. I bet you've been through a lot of storms. Be steady in the storms. This is one of the things he's going to teach people here. You be steady when all the trouble, the trials and the problems of life come. You be steady in your faith. You don't get all shook up. First of all, and you need to write, underline this, do something with it. He said, the work of faith. Boys, put up John chapter 6, verse 27. I want to show you what the work of faith. Now, what is a work of faith? We need to ask ourselves this question. What is the work of faith? That sounds like an oxymoron. It sounds like contradictory. Faith, works, faith, work. They go together in the Bible. I want you to look at what Jesus said. Labor not for the, that meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Then they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? <clears throat> Get this answer. Jesus answers unto them, This is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he has sent. Amen. You see, you can't take this past scripture and say, Well, I'm supposed to work for my salvation. You want to work, this work of faith is you believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Yeah. Now that's separate from and subsequent to works, of good works that glorify God done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the work of faith is when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're going to look at verse number nine pretty soon and show you how verse number nine and verse number three come together. So he said the first thing is your salvation. The second thing, your labor of love, serving the Lord. You get saved, then God wants you to serve. God didn't save you to sit around. God wants you to do something. I want to say thank you to the church. We had the daughter's banquet. Buddy, if you don't think that took a lot of work, you lost your ever-living mind. And I want to thank everybody who got out there and worked hard to make that happen. We had the um, uh, 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 camp meeting. By the way, I just now thought, does anybody see that sorry-looking buzzard up there? <laughs> I walked into church this morning. Now, this is outside the message. I walked into church this morning. I said, somebody put a stinking buzzard in the church. I'm telling you, that's sick then, ain't it? But, but look over here. Did you see that? Hang on. Don't, don't, don't let the rabbit get you. I looked over there. a dove. You know what it's telling you? Your flesh. And that's going to remind you. And that's staying up there. I'm going to tell you why. Because you need to be reminded you've got a sorry low down piece of flesh in you. It's just like this bridle right here. You know what that bridle's up here for? Shame. That bridle's reminded of bridle our tongues. No man can tame. But over here's the dove. If you're saved, you have a spirit in you, the dove spirit, the Holy Ghost to God. You don't have just that. I don't care how long you've been saved. You still got that. And it'll pop on you so fast. It'll pop right out of you. And you think you're holy and sanctified and never sin again. Your old raven will jump out at you just so fast, make your head swim. Well, anyway, he come down and he says, he said, your labor of love, you get saved, figure out what God wants you to do. Do something for the Lord. Amen. And then he said this patience of hope, patience of hope. So we get saved, we serve, and then we live in the hope. And by the way, Bible hope is not wishing. Amen. Bible hope is knowing that what God says he would, that he would do, he will do it. And you can rest your soul in that. You don't have to wonder if it's going to happen or not. And so he's telling these people, all right, you've had a work of faith. You got saved. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You've labored in love. You've labored in love. You're serving the Lord. That's what you're doing. By the way, you labor in love. Labor in what? Love. Not in vainglory, as Brother Terry taught. Not in vainglory. You labor in love. And he said, you be patient in hope. Did you know these people died and Jesus hadn't come back? 
Be patient. No, don't, don't, don't let the devil tell you that God's not going to do what he said he would do. In, in the sight of, now watch this phrase, in the sight of. Underline that in your Bible. Most of the time, if we're not careful, we're worried about what's going, what, what we seem to be in the sight of other people. That's not what counts. It's what we are on the side of Almighty God, amen. And God sees the heart. Now look at verse number four. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Underline knowing. God wants you to know that you're saved. If you say, well, I don't believe you can know you're saved, you do not believe the Bible. The Bible said these things are written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life, okay? God wants you to know you're saved. I think it would be a mean God that would let, you know, you wonder. I was talking to uh, uh, some folks this week at that uh, uh, she had been a Catholic and she said, we, we lived in fear. You, you never knew what was going to happen. You, they will not let you, you cannot know whether you're going to go to heaven or hell until after you die. And you just at least hope for purgatory. There's somebody, I'm going to tell you something. That's a cruel God. God wants you to know. He said, knowing brother and beloved of your election of God. Now the doctrine of election is in there. And I can tell you this much, when you got saved, you got elected, is all I know to tell you. The doctrine of personal responsibilities there also too. And we're going to see that in this book. But how many can see how many doctrines of the Bible already in these first few verses? It is loaded with doctrine in the Bible. And so now look at verse number five. For our gospel came. Now I want you to get this. Let's get on. I want you to put your feet in the stirrups right here. For our gospel came not unto you in word only. Let me just tell you something. <clears throat> the gospel of God is the power of God unto salvation. But if you try to give the gospel without the power of the Holy Spirit with you, it's going to become a problem. It becomes intellectualism and not a heart salvation. And that's why you've got so many people these days saying, well, I believe, I believe, I believe. But the devils also believe and tremble. I want to ask you something. Was there a time in your life when the Holy Ghost of God did a work in you to make you see yourself as a sinner, make you see yourself as guilty, and make you see that Jesus Christ, and he convinced you not a preacher or not somebody else? Now watch what he says. Our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power. Now listen to me, church. If you pray for something about this church, you pray for power. Now I want to tell you something right now. I've been here, as I said, over and over again. You've heard it 50 million times, 40 years or whatever it is. I do not want this church operating outside the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You pray for power because I'm going to tell you something. I ain't got power. You ain't got power to save nobody or to change anybody's life or to help anybody. If they're going to get help, it's going to come from the Holy Ghost of God. Also in power and in the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something right now. Holy Ghost is God, God, the third part of the triune Godhead. And he is God Almighty just as much as Jesus is God, just as much as the Father is God. And he is welcome in this church. He is welcome in this ministry. And I'm going to tell you something. He don't always think like you and I think. And I want to tell you, he's not subject to us. We are subject to him. But here's what I want to tell you this much. The Holy Ghost of God will do some things when he's preached. When that gospel is preached in power with the Holy Ghost, he will convince men that they're sinners. He will convict men of that sin, bring them to the place of their guilt, and then he will lead them to repentance and lead them to faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what has to happen on the inside of a man's spirit while we're preaching from the outside. <clears throat> so anyway, he goes, on and says, and much assurance, much assurance. Connie, uh, uh, Connie, uh, uh, who, who, the lady, uh, Fanny Crosby, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. I don't know if you've ever read the story behind that song, but Connie, uh, what in the world's wrong with me? <laughs> Fanny Crosby, Fanny Crosby did not have assurance of her salvation. She did not know you could know that you were saved. And as she began to read her Bible blind, Braille, 
And she tells about how the Holy Spirit showed her by the reading of God's word, the blind braille, and hearing the gospel of God, how that she could know as she wrote the song that you and I sing, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. An heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. And she got it, man. I'll tell you, that song flowed out of her heart and she was blind, but she could see God had saved her forever. Amen. And God, you know what? He's much assurance. As you know, now watch this phrase, what manner of men we were. What manner of men are we? Now this is critical because we can give people the gospel. We can, we can do all these things, but if our lives do not match our profession, Amen. it's gonna kill it. Yes. Right. <clears throat> you see, Christianity is not just prophetical, it's practical. And God expects you and I to go out of this church house and live the word of God. And he says, you know what matter of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us. Why did they follow Paul? because of his manner of life. Did you know how people, somebody says, I don't believe in lifestyle evangelism. <clears throat> I don't either in the sense of they got to hear the gospel. They're not going to get saved just by watching you live. But let me just tell you something. They might be led to Christ by the way you live Amen. eventually. Yeah. Don't exclude one to the other. Amen. Yes, they need to be witnessed to. They need to be told the law. They need to be told the gospel. But you know what? You do that and then cheat them out of $15, it's going to kill your message. What is he telling the Thessalonians? What, what do we need to get out of this morning, church? Live what we profess. Amen. Do what we say we do. I read a post this morning that someone dear to me put on Facebook and is talking about a mother and her children. And she said something to this effect. I wish it could always be said that I never hollered at my children or got angry. And that basically cannot be because it's not that way. But I do hope and pray that they'll know I was a fast repenter. You might, you're, not, you're not going to do everything right. You're going to blow it. The question is, how fast do you repent? Do you realize when you've done somebody wrong, are you quick to go back when the Holy Spirit deals with you? Turn around and say, listen, I didn't speak right to you. didn't do right. didn't have the right attitude. I need you to forgive me. Paul's saying, listen, you can talk all this stuff you want to, but if you don't live right before God, and when you've done wrong, you don't make it right, you're going to kill your message. <clears throat> Here it comes. Become followers of us of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction and with the joy of the Holy Ghost. Two things there, affliction. And by the way, Terry's telling you right. Let me say something. I, I, I'm not, I don't get persecuted, but I'll be honest with you. I have never in my life been cussed out so much as I have been the last two weeks, ever. Uh, there's a post on Facebook that I put a year or so ago, and I mean to tell you, the liberals are hopping mad at me. And, and you know, they can't hardly talk without cussing. And that's why I delete them because they're just vile, they're filthy. But let me tell you something, they hate us. Um, this congressman out of California, Ken Singer, he is a royal mess. But this week, he, he assaulted Christianity unlike any congressman I've seen in a long time. He called uh, people like Jim Jordan and conservative congressmen, he called them Christian nationalists and they need to be wiped out. <clears throat> Let me just tell you something. Your forefathers were Christian nationalists. Now what's that mean? That doesn't mean we don't love the rest of the world. We love them. But it means we, we have a nation. You can't have 10,000 people pouring through the border a day. Biden should be 
arrested for treason, for allowing these people to come in like this. If we're not careful, we're going to have a Gaza Strip Hamas situation happen to us. Who knows how many, how many terror groups are already formed in this country to attack? This is wrong. And uh, so there's going, there, but there's going to be affliction. But, but we're not in persecution now. But if I can't take a little cussing and it's going to make me shut up and not talk about the Lord anymore, then there's nothing to me. And I'm going to tell you, you can expect to have affliction. But also when you're affliction, he, there's something God wants you to have, and that's joy of the Holy Ghost. Yes. The Bible said we're to count it all joy when we suffer for the name of Jesus Christ, for his reproach. And we need to quit, as, as Terry said, quit feeling sorry for ourselves and have joy of the Holy Ghost and be rejoicing that we're counted worthy to suffer any shame for our Lord Jesus Christ. So that you were, look at verse number seven, so you were examples. And that's what God wants us to be. Paul told Timothy to be an example unto the believers. To all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia, <clears throat> watch verse number eight, church. And from you sounded out the word of the Lord. That's what this church needs to be doing, is sounding out the word of the Lord everywhere we can. We're not a fish aquarium. We're fishers of men. We're not floating around here biting each other, stealing food from each other. We're not a fish aquarium. We need to be reaching people. And that's what I want this church. And I want God to help us, church, to do this. To sound out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but look at this. Also in every place, your faith to God's word is spread abroad. This is what a church needs to be doing. They may not like us. They may not agree with us, but they need to hear from us. Amen. We need to get the gospel, sweep right on by the criticizers and the naysayers and the, and, the, and the dog barkers and everything else and keep preaching the word of God and keep reaching out there and getting people. But I'm glad, to be honest with you, I'm glad when I get cussed out because now I know I'm in a right fishing hole. You see, if, I, if on my Facebook deal in my ministry, everybody's going, amen, 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 amen. That's great. I'm glad to have the support. But when they start cussing, you know you got into a good fishing hole. Amen. And so we're glad to reach some people. And by the way, did you know something? Lost people can say nasty things before they get saved. God's working on the inside. They wouldn't have said nothing. That's right. Amen. So let's keep going here. He sounded out. He said, your faith to God word is spread everywhere. By the way, I want you to just think about this. Your faith to the denomination word. Uh-uh. God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. <coughs> For they themselves show of us what mannering of entering in we had into them. Now I'm going to want you to watch this right here. In verse number three, he said, work of faith. Right here, he's going to describe the work of faith. Turned to God from idols. Turn is a repentance word. Now listen to me. We got a Christianity going on that says you don't have to turn. The old timers used to say turn or burn. God leads, he's, the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now, and this is not in the gospels or Jesus preaching about the kingdom or John the Baptist. But nonetheless, they all said repent. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Turn. You're going this way in sin, following the world, and God says, turn. Now, God will give you grace to do that. God's Spirit will enable you to do that. When you thought you couldn't turn, you couldn't stop the direction you were going. God did, I stigmatized I declare this morning, I believe it's all my heart, God Almighty can save a man instantly, and when he saves him, he can deliver him instantly from anything and everything. Let me give you an illustration. Watch what he said. Turn, turned to God from idols. When old Uncle Buddy Robinson got saved, <clears throat> Ben got me a book of his, and it's a wonderful, wonderful book. If you get a chance to read it, you know, I don't agree with his theology about everything, but he's still like it. 
But he told about when he went to, in that old arbor meeting, he, gets, he went forward and, and to the Lord just wanted to be saved. He said, I was not, he said, I didn't know how to pray. And he spoke with a lisp. Couldn't pronounce his words just right. But he said, I was praying and I was asking God to save me. And <clears throat> he said, I had a deck of cards in my coat. And he said something in some still small voice said, lay them cards on the altar. See, I reached in my coat and pulled out the deck of cards and I laid them on the altar and said, God, you can have my cards. By the way, can I say something? I don't like cards to this day. He said, I don't mind playing this little game. Well, the next thing you know, your kids will be playing poker. Be careful. Amen. Boy, that, that was light, wasn't it? <laughs> Maybe I need to preach on cards, you reckon? But <clears throat> Uncle Buddy said, I laid them cards on. He said, Lord, I want you to save me. God, save me. And he said, the Lord, remind me, I had, a, I had a half pint of liquor in my other coat pocket. He said, I want you to get rid of that liquor. And well, Uncle Buddy said, I reached in and got that half pint of liquor. Wouldn't, you be, wouldn't it be something to come up here on the altar and see a bunch of dope laid on the altar? Yeah. Packages of marijuana. Some of you need to lay your marijuana on that altar. Yeah. You've justified smoking dope. You're calling it medicinal junk. You're wrong. I hate to tell you that. That's going to open up demonic stuff to your home and your house. Your generations will suffer it. You're going to reap what you sowed like nobody's business. Wouldn't it be something somebody come up here and throw fentanyl? I don't know what it would look like. Sometimes I see white looking stuff. I wouldn't wear bacon powder or fentanyl. I don't know. But let me just tell you something. You know what we're missing in this generation of people? You don't see people laying their cards on the, ta on the altar and laying their dope on the altar. You know what we're doing? We're saying, okay, now get into our seven-point program. You know what that's, we're admitting? We don't have the power of God. That's what we're admitting. And then finally, he said, the Holy Ghost said, Uncle Bud said, you've been packing that pistol, and I guess I need to repent too. But he said, you've been packing that pistol for the wrong reasons. And Uncle Bud said, I pulled that pistol out and laid it on the altar. And he said, the second I did that, when God took those three things away, he said, God delivered me. And he said, a surge of freedom came over me I'd never experienced in my life. And I'm going to tell you why people ain't happy in the Lord, because they ain't give it all to God. Amen. They ain't surrendered it all to God. You haven't turned. And let me tell you something, if you haven't turned from idols, and that idol may be your children, it may be your spouse, I've watched in this church, you listen to me, I don't care if you like me or not, I've watched in this church, parents make idols out of their children. And when you had to deal with their children's sin, they quit church and leave out of here because you wouldn't let, you wouldn't, you wouldn't turn your head about what was going on with their own kids. I've seen, I've seen couples, whenever sin was in there between them and maybe in a couple, and you take a stand against it and won't compromise and bend down to them, they'll zoom, they're out of church. Now you listen to me, you can make an idol out about anything. You can make an idol out of a fishing pole. Or a rifle. Or a ball. Or a dollar bill. And God says, turn. Whatever it is between you and God is an idol. And God says, you turn from idols to do what? It's the second thing there. Remember over in verse number three, he said, labor of love. Serve the living God. Serve him. The labor of love. Serve the living and true God. Quit serving stuff that's not going to last. And then he said in verse number 10, here it is, this patience of hope in verse number three, to wait for his son from heaven. In every chapter, God talks about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And he said, whom he raised from the dead. So you got the doctrine of the second coming. You got doctrine of practical Christian living. You got the doctrine of repentance. You got the doctrine of election. You got all these doctrines embedded into this first chapter to the epistle, to the church. And God said, I want this chapter read to people. I want this book read to people. And look what he says, raised from the dead. There's the doctrine of resurrection. Even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come, that's salvation. 
Now, boys, I want you to put up those verses on wrath. Now, you listen to me this morning. You may be listening to me or maybe here and you're not saved. Let me tell you what, what you're under. You are under right now, if you're not saved, the wrath of Almighty God. John 3, 36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. But he that believeth not the Son, watch this, shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. And I'll just tell you something, unless God shows that to you, you'll sit there and die and go to hell. But hearing, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. And I'm telling you right now, the wrath of God is something you don't want to mess with. Matthew 3, 7 says, if you want to go to Matthew 3, 7, guys, the first one there, please. But he did, what, what, what's all this about? What's this gospel about? It's to deliver us from the wrath to come. Amen. But when he saw me, the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said to them, generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Can I tell you something, folks? There's wrath coming on this earth, Amen. and there's eternal wrath coming to the unsaved. And you can say, I don't like your old hellfire brimstone preaching. I don't care. Amen. God loves you enough to tell you the truth. Amen. There is wrath to come. And that's also why the church ought to be witnessing. And why we ought to be sounding out like this church here was the gospel every way that we can. People are dying and going to hell. Look at Luke 3, 7. The same thing. O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? The wrath to come. You know what? You don't hardly hear much about the wrath to come anymore. John 3, 36, I've already given you that. Romans 1, 18. Let's go to Rom Romans 1, 18. Because I want to give you this and we're going to get out of here in just a minute. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. The wrath of God is revealed against it. This world's, this world's garbage, the wrath of God. I'm telling you right now, this is what scares me about America. I believe we are bringing the wrath of God upon our nation. You cannot kill, you know, 60, 80, 100 million baby, innocent babies and shed innocent blood without the wrath of God coming. You can't have a bunch of perversion and garbage going on to highest levels of government and every school and all this kind of garbage and without the wrath of God coming on you. And I'm going to say something further today. You can't, you can't leave the word of God and rewrite the Bible and act like God doesn't keep his word and act like God's a liar and still claim to be a Christian without the wrath of God coming on you. Did you know what will tick you off about fast anything? Somebody says, I don't believe a word you're saying. You ain't nothing but a liar. And you just told them the truth. Yeah. <clears throat> I believe the wrath of God. Terry, you talking about this great falling away? The great falling away is falling away from the scriptures. Yeah, yeah. And the result, in what you talked about today is the effects of that. Yeah. Falling away from the word of God. Yeah. I'm not sure tonight. I haven't just got a green light from the Lord about everything. But tonight, I'm thinking about showing this video of this man, this young guy. He's married and got children, but about 666 in the Bible and about the proof that shows that the authorized version Bible is the word of God. And I want to tell you something, if you can watch that and, and, and say you don't, you believe other versions are okay, you're not being honest with yourself. Amen. I don't, it's an hour and 40 some minutes the only reason I might not show it because it's, it's long. And you can also watch it, but I'm telling you something, it's, it's something else. Uh, <clears throat> Romans 2, 5, after the hardness, look at that, hardness, and impenitent, it, you won't repent, heart. Thou treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Romans 5, 9. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from what? Wrath. wrath how? Through him. Amen. Somebody said that hell and the lake of fire is the eternal storm of God's wrath against sinners. You listen to me. I know it's kind of a true statement. Well, we need to hate the sin and love the sinner. But can I remind you of something? That God is throwing far more than sin in hell. Yes, he's right. 
He cast sinners into hell. Be careful what you're making things sound like. Romans 9, 22. What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? Ephesians 2, verse number 3. Among whom also we had our conversation in times past, the lust of flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of what? Wrath, even as others. Ephesians 5, 6. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh what? the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. By the way, if you look up above there, you know what it's talking about? Fornication, adultery, all this kind of garbage, shacking up, all this kind of junk people are doing all of America. Yeah. It's right above that. Look it up for yourself. Yeah. Heaven and earth will pass away. These words will never pass away. Yeah. Look at Colossians 3, 6. For which things the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. We're going to look at this and I want to say a little bit about this. For God hath not appointed us to what? Yeah. Now you listen to me. These Thessalonican believers had been told that uh, they had missed the, the day of Christ. Now, I, I hesitate to get in this a little bit, but we've got just a little bit of time to do this, and I'm going to do it. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it's got a phrase, the day of Christ. In 1 Thessalonians, it's the day of the Lord. In the Old Testament, it said the day of, of the Lord. And you see this phrase, the day of the Lord. And people use this You'll see it in commentaries below the verses on Bibles. And they'll tell you, they use it for an example that the church is going to go through the tribulation. Let me tell you what the day is of the Lord is. The day of the Lord starts with the rapture of the church. Starts with the rapture of the church. And it's going to run a thousand years through the millennial reign. That's his day. And it's telling you that that day is not going to come except there first be a falling away. We're seeing that. Yeah. And the, what day? That thousand year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That, that coming of Christ in the revelation. See, Christ is coming first for his church and we meet him in the air. I'll just throw this at you. When you were in the Old Testament, the Old Testament prophets and they all spoke about the coming of the Lord. All right. But they spoke of two comings. One coming was the king who would set up his kingdom and rule over the earth. And man, they loved that prophetic scriptures and it's all through your prophets all through there okay psalms is full of it king of glory gates entering in king going to be on his throne psalms is about the kingdom but you know what they didn't want to see they didn't want to see the coming of the savior as a suffering messiah and to this day jewish people or those Jews, will not look at isaiah 53 nor psalms 22 but the Bible also so it predicted, watch this, two comings of Christ. But they didn't, they didn't want to see that one. When you get to the New Testament, and when you're talking about the coming of Christ, you're looking at two comings also. He's coming for his church. We meet him in the air. Amen. Seven years later, he's coming back with his church, and his feet touch the Mount of Olives, and it cleaves in two. There'll be a battle fought. And he'll destroy all the armies of Satan. The beast and the false prophet at that time will be cast into the lake of fire. And then Satan will be bound and put in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. And that issue right there is the day of Christ. Did you know your old timers used to have a statement? Every dog has his day. There's a lot more biblical references. You know what that reference comes from? The devil's having his day. Do you know David said this? How long shall the wicked triumph? Do you ever wonder that? 
How long is this going to last? When's this going to stop? Let me just tell you something. The day of the Lord is coming. And when he comes, the day of that dog will be over with. The day of that sin. To wait for sin. We're going to give you, I'm going to show you the wrath of God. Now, somebody talking about the wrath of God. He's going to say over there, he hath not appointed us to wrath. You know, this is kind of how I figured it'd turn out. I was going to do all five chapters this morning. (laughs) I've got one. (laughs) One chapter, okay? So don't, it'll just be what I did. I'll pick it back up tonight probably is what I'm going to do. But I'm going to tell you there's two different aspects of the wrath of God. One is the tribulation period where the wrath of God is going to be poured out upon this nation. And we're going to run through. And then the other is the wrath of God in eternity when the, when the lost are cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. And those are the two aspects of the wrath of God that's given you in the Bible. And if anybody loves you and cares about you at all, they don't want you to experience this. Because you ain't never seen nothing like the wrath of Almighty God. Let's look at Revelation chapter 6 and verse number 16. Watch this. Revelation 6, 16. And they said to the mountains and the rocks, and, and said to the mountains, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Re- Revelation eleven seventeen, Saying, we give thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come. And the time of the dead that they should be judged and thou should give reward to thy servants, the prophets and the saints. And then the fear of thee and so forth. And he goes on, but he talks about the wrath that is coming against the nations of this world during the tribulation period. Revelation 12, 12. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, sea for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath. There's the wrath of the devil coming during the tribulation. He is going to pour his wrath out. But I will to tell you, that's a different wrath than the almighty God. Revelation 14, verse number 9, 10, 11. And the angels, the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, if any man, watch this, now listen, worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in their forehead or in his hand, the same. Anybody who takes the mark of the beast shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, look at verse number 11, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Now I'm going to stop right here and say something that's been on my mind all week. And I appreciate you listening to this. The deception out here about Christianity is at a very high level. Yeah. There's something bad wrong with Christianity in America. Right, it's not changing people. Yeah, right. Right. And I'm going to tell you something right now. I believe with all my heart. People will literally believe that the Antichrist is the Christ. That they're going to believe it. He is going to be so deceitful and have such signs and wonders that he will cause people to think literally he is the real Christ. You say, Reggie, how can I know the difference? Stay in this book. Amen. Stay in this book. Now, you're not, if you're saved, you won't be dealing with that, okay? Right. But I'm just saying to you, you, better stay in this book because here's the great falling away is going to cause people to be pre. What's happening right now is preparation Amen. for the Antichrist right. and people being led away and deceived about 
the Word of God about Christ. And Paul warned, they'll have another gospel. They'll have another Jesus. And they'll have another spirit. Did you know what Jesus said? My words are spirit. You pick that one up? They'll have another word. They'll have another Bible. Let's go to Revelation 15, verse 1 through 7. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. Revelation 15, 7. And one of the four beasts gave unto seven angels seven golden files, full of the wrath of God, and lived forever and ever. And the temple, anyway, go ahead. Verse, Revelation 19, verse 15, if you want to get that, and we'll finish up here. And out of his mouth goeth the sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Paul told them, in verse number 10 in 1 Thessalonians, he said, You've turned from God to idols, to serve the living God and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven. And God raised him from the dead. That's the evidence. That's the, secure, the surety of it. And he said, even Jesus, he's telling you who the son is and he's telling you what he did. He said, he's delivered you from the wrath to come. And you know what the essence of this is? Don't let anybody steal that from you. Amen. Don't let anybody steal that from you. As I told you this morning on my uh, feed comment, I, I just deleted it because I've determined I'm not going to let anybody use the platform I have to spread their false garbage. I'm going to tell you right now, Christ is coming back for the church. Now, listen to me carefully. I'm not preaching escapism. But I will say this to you. I'm preaching deliverance. And the Bible does say, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? And I'm thankful that I'm going to escape the tribulation period and the wrath of God that's going to be poured out upon this world. That Now, as we go through this tonight and next week, and so forth, I'm just going to tell you what I'm going to make a decision right now. You can look on Sable in the Wilderness and you can check out this uh, video that's by the, I forget his name, but it's uh, Stand for Truth. I think Stand for Christ. And it's about an hour and some, 40 some minutes and it'll have the 666 deal. And he's going to talk about the three men in the Bible who the number 666 is connected with. And um, take the time to watch it, especially watch it all the way to the end. Because he's just, and, and what I like about this guy is he's not trying to be a showboat. He is pouring his heart out to people to stay by the truth in these days of apostasy and of the falling away and the deceitfulness that's out here. Now, this is not to put a spook on anybody, but if you're fiddling around lost, you ought to be scared. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. So